Welcome to Casual Watch Talk, the podcast from the Casual Watch Reviewer YouTube channel. Join us as we talk everything watches from watch collecting, the latest horology news and interviews. If you're not already subscribed, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Let's dive into the show. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 15 of Casual Watch Talk. I'm joined by my co-host Chris. How have you been, Chris? Uh, pretty good, Sam. And we have a special guest as well. So we have TJ, who is our sort of resident military expert on the channel. You might have seen me interview him a couple of months ago on the channel. So how have you been? Oh, great. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it. I actually saw your uh, uh, announcement about a special guest and I was wondering who it was. And then I'm humbled to be that <laughs> special guest. So thank you for having me on. Turns out it's you. Yeah, thank you. All right. No, we're very, we're very happy to have you. Very happy to have you on. We're experimenting with the Zoom audio to record this. And as everybody in the nation now is using Zoom, we're hopeful that the um, connection will keep strong as we go through this. So let's uh, let's dive in here. So as customary, we like to do our what watch have you been wearing? So I'll start with our guest. So TJ, what watch have you been wearing most this week? Yes, Sam. So exclusively for quite a bit, I've been wearing uh, my uh, sterile homage to the uh, RAF Mark 11 pilot's watch. So this is a 50 Zara design. And the, uh, the homage comes from San Martin, which as I understand it is a, a small brand out of Hong Kong. Uh, but it's a sterile design. It's available in Quartz and uh, uh, Seiko Auto. I chose the Quartz just for me. Accuracy is super important. So, uh, and mm -hmm. you know, hassle-free uh, aspect of Quartz. Roughly the same price is about 150. And happened to have it shipped uh, from Hong Kong just before the coronavirus, uh, you know, sort of really hit the media. And so <laughs> it was kind of shipping from China. I actually left the package alone for a while, uh, caution and wiped down the box. It's a little bit crazy, but just at the beginning of the whole thing. But, uh, but really the watch is amazing. And there aren't a lot of uh, models out there that use this design. And there's some pretty interesting things about it. Uh, one of the features I like most uh, so far is the fact that it has um, loom essentially in the uh, cardinal position. So 12, 3, 6, and 9 has really bright uh, rectangular bars of, of loom on the hour index. And, and the, the, the other hours have a very slim um, uh, loom line on them. So essentially in the middle of the night, you really just see the four cardinal headings. And I, at first I thought that it'd be really difficult to tell the time at night, but I actually find it better than others. Uh, it's just super clear and uh, no issue telling 10.30 from 11.30, that kind of thing. So um, as far as legibility, I've never seen anything like it. And I, I think the uh, your, your countrymen in the UK in the uh, late 40s, they, I think they took all the lessons learned from World War II and produced the ideal simple pilot watch. It's, it's amazing. And it's no wonder it survived into the 80s. Uh, it's, it's just a great design. And uh, you also posted it uh, not only on our Facebook page, but uh, on the new... Uh, casual watch talk facebook group so saw pictures of that checking out the loom shot pretty cool loom shot that you got there. yeah and i appreciate the opportunity to share these things uh hopefully uh you know they're they're uh not too many uh posts there but just as things pop into my head and cool things to share uh this one was certainly excited about it. and i found some old you know reference to the watch from some uh raf publication it's probably a maintenance manual or something but uh it talked about the watch as an aerial navigation watch and and, and just provided some old specs about it and I thought that was kind of a neat slice of history. 
Yeah, that's uh, they're really interesting because you always associate CWC watches with that kind of era of British military. But uh, yeah, it's glad to see that they've led on with that design. And Chris, thanks for mentioning the new Facebook group. Please join. I think I've ad- uh, ad- added everyone who was a fan of the casual watch reviewer page. So please join us over there for some more watch conversation. TJ, have you had a watch obsession this week? Well, th- that is the watch obsession for me. I mean, I really can't get over it. I, uh, I ended up putting it on the, uh, the Nagel strap that you, you featured on your recent show, uh, a video you made, the uh, Toxic NATO Rogue. It's uh, a thicker weave, but otherwise NATO, so essentially a Zulu weave in a NATO design. Uh, and it just seems like for an RAF watch, the classic gray was the right call. And uh, I, I keep trying every once in a while to put another strap on it. And I just immediately put it back on the gray because it just mm-hmm. works just right. So the combination of the two uh, is, is just amazing. And I am totally obsessed with it. <laughs> so it's cool. like a two for one there. Yeah. yeah, I'm so happy with it. And, you know, for and, and, and I know you've addressed this before, but I, I just I think it's important to mention that you, to find joy in something that's affordable is a wonderful thing because as in-house movements become the rage and the, the trend is for the big brands is increasingly to be more exclusive and luxurious, uh, I find you know, happiness in the hobby, finding something that is exciting and has some history to it. And I know that San Martin doesn't have history, but the design itself does. Mm-hmm. And, and just to find something that I can look at and be completely obsessed with for a hundred and some dollars, uh, that, that's, that's pretty special. That's great. That's great. That's really cool. Yeah, I know they do some homages to vintage Seikos as well. I know certainly uh, Jody at Just One More Watches made the joke once or twice about them really showing Seiko up with their, not only their designs, <laughs> but their build quality. So, so Chris, what's uh, what's been your watch obsession or what, uh, what have you been wearing? Sorry. Uh, yes. So I switched over to the uh, Zin 103, my Bell & Ross Zin 103. And it had to go on the NATO strap today. So, and it just, I took a shot for, and for Instagram and it, it's one of those watches. It's a, you know, pilot's chronograph. And it's one of those watches that just absolutely changes when you, when you pop it on a NATO, it just goes from, it goes from, oh, chronograph dress watch to we're ready for the mission, you know? And so today was, uh, we've been alternating going into work and making sure all of our work from home folks are connected. And so that was uh, this morning I uh, was like, yep, we're ready to go to that and do that. So pop that on the wrist. Um, and yeah, nothing like a, just a you know, olive green NATO purpose, purpose built. It uh, really changes the look of the watch. So that was, uh, that's what I'm wearing. For my obsession, I, I posted this also on the Facebook group. And uh, it's cool. TJ was talking about like inexpensive watches that bring you joy. And this is definitely one of those. I came across... I've seen this watch in person, but I came across a sale on the Blue Dial Orient. It's, um, I've got the, I don't know, it has a nickname or it has an actual name. Like the Bambino. Is is it like a Bambino? It isn't. Yeah, it's like a Bambino. It's not the actual Bambino. It's the RA, it's, you know, it's Orient's uh, crazy R-A-A-C-0-E-0. I mean, you know, crazy, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, simple Blue Dial uh 40 mil watch 20 mil lugs and it just it has that simple dial uh indices no arabic numerals gorgeous looking and it was super on sale 99 dollars, and i said i have to get it no no I, I certainly like the look of it and thanks for posting that on the uh on the facebook group 
Um, well, I guess it's my turn. I've yeah. been mainly wearing... Um, well, actually, I've been working from home as well. So I've been wearing a G-Shock. And then also, of course, I just did the upload on straps for the Tudor. So I had a lot of fun putting different straps on the Tudor. And going back to that comment I made a few weeks ago about selling the Speedmaster because it was so pristine. Well, I have definitely scratched the Tudor now. I mean, this thing is... <laughs> but I'm cool with it. Uh, I'm cool with it. But that looks awesome on 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 a host of straps. So I've been wearing that one that was a fun video fun video because it, it kind of showed not only the straps but it really showed off the versatility of that of that watch i you look at it and you kind of think well you know with the gold and and maybe not but no that i mean you it looks great on a whole host of stuff and thanks to uh, tj as well he sent me two of the straps featured in that video so the toxic yeah, nato nice. and then that that single pass crown and buckle the chevron which, it, I mean, I wasn't lying in that video. I do, that's one of the number one comments in that unboxing is, where, where did you get that single pass? So, so thanks for that, TJ. Well, um, Sam, which, uh, which one of those straps did you settle on then after all said and done? I've still got it on that cuff strap. Um, really? Yeah, and I, I need to take it off it because it looks awesome. I don't know how practical <laughs> it is, though. I mean, it's, I, I'm still obsessed with that Tarantino film. I think yeah. Brad Pitt, fantastic in that film and i just think about i don't know if you've seen it but the ending is just so amazing like the, it, he, tarantino makes you wait for the ending for sure kind of obsessed with it i want to put it on that alligator strap that micola sent me over but what i've done is i've bought a deployant clasp for it just like a cheap one off ebay because i'm worried that mm-hmm. the buckle's gonna like damage the because it's real it's real alligator I made a mistake, said it was Horween alligator in the in the mm. review, and I don't know why I said that, because Horween's clearly cowhide leather. Um, right. But um, that's what I've been wearing, and my obsession, I would say, well, that Citizen that I've got incoming, that um, Japanese-only Citizen, I'm looking forward to that coming in. And I think that's really it. Oh, I did buy another watch, and I don't think I told, I've told either of you this, but, and this might seem weird, this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, but as soon as they postponed the Tokyo Olympics, I had to get that Tokyo Swatch, the 2020. Oh, that's a smart move, Sam. Because I'm thinking it's such a, an awful time at the moment in the world. That watch is, is going to be a memory of, so I don't mm-hmm. forget this this time. Right. So I wonder if Swatch will do a 2020, mm-hmm. 2021, sorry. Uh, last week's show, we kind of went over the coronavirus. We're, we're not going to mention it. Uh, again in this show we're, we're going to try and keep this upbeat but that's not trying to do a disservice to to what's happening at the moment it's just that um we're trying to do a bit of escapism i think on this show today uh, yeah absolutely thank you both for that let's dive into the news stories first i wanted to start with a very grown-up and serious one i don't know if you've seen this on watch pro have just released some analysis on watch sales for 2019 Really interesting who's grown and who's decreased. And uh, and Chris, not to give us credit or that the podcast might have affected Omega, (laughs) but wait until I get to the the Omega. Oh, boy. boy. So first up, Rolex's sales in 2019 were up 3%. For the year, 3% in 2019. 3% for the year, which is actually good in comparison to some of the others. So they actually made 5.2 billion. But did they make that all on date just? (laughs) They could be double that, Sam, if they just gave people what they want, right? Right. Exactly. So that was an interesting one. Uh, one that did very well, Cartier, okay. was up 10.5%. 
there's a real shocker in a minute, but I'll just go through the ones that decrease. Well, they've put Omega as flatlined because they only hmm. increase their sales by 0.6 of a percent. That is almost okay. flatlined. So this is, I mean, we've been chatting about this on the podcast a couple of times, haven't yeah. we, about the direction of, of yeah. Omega? Now, this is this is uh, sales number this is this is sales yes this is okay so not so it's interesting i mean like per volume by volume no it's it's percentage (laughs) number of pieces yeah number of pieces completely tanked number of sales all the way up you know percentage of money (laughs) well that's it you're actually joking about something but wait until i give you the last one okay so the ones that decreased in sales tag were down 9.3 percent tj i'll ask you about this one iwc which is considered an aviation watch their sales decreased 8.7 percent now federico predicted this but what do you think yeah i'm not sure uh, where that came from but uh i mean I actually have a lot of respect for their designs because they stay with legibility. So I've actually kind of pinged on some of the Breitling models for being illegible. But I I really admire the fact that IWC's watches continue to be ultra legible. The the problem is that how much are you willing to spend for a tool? Uh, They're an ultimate tool. But when you're buying for luxury, is that what you're really looking for? So it's almost like they're they're straggling two, two different realms and trying to combine them. And I guess maybe... Those that are interested in spending five to seven thousand for something luxurious don't want something that looks like a really hardcore cockpit tool, like their Top Gun model, which I love, but it may not satisfy mm. the luxury buyer that much. Mm. Yeah, so I wonder if that's part of it. Could well be because also I think you know they're still using mainly using ETA-based movements, aren't they? And it entry price for an IWC is I think probably in the three to four thousand dollar mark. Well, I thought they were transitioning, at least starting to, into the in-house movement trend. For me, as a person who bought a Speedmaster 10 years ago, what appealed to me about that watch was that it, I didn't care about where the movement came from. I cared about that it was essentially a, a high-end tool. Mm. And the in-house movement trend is sort of taking that away from people because now they're saying, well, we're going to charge you double for a very prestigious, luxurious movement. But some of the buyers aren't looking for a prestigious, luxurious, exclusive mm-hmm. movement. They're looking for yeah. an optimum mechanical tool. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I know I was sort of priced out of that realm, you know, whereas I bought my Speedmaster for under 3000 Right now, I wouldn't get one. Uh, and I think that may, that same, so I think that's going to hit the tool watch, um, Swiss tool watch market pretty much across the board. Because if you're buying a tool watch, are you going to pay twice as much for a tool because the movement was made a certain place? I wonder how much of the I wonder how much of the market or how much of the industry is really sh- shooting themselves in the foot a little bit there because I, I hear all the time like, well, they don't make their movements. Put an LS1 and a Miata, and we're, we'll have a good time. Put a put a decent movement in, and yeah. so yeah, this this push for uh, in house, in house, in house, and thinking that maybe that's that all of us wanted or that it's always necessary in order to you know rise up above above the you know other brands uh yeah i feel like they're 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 kind of pushing it because you're right your your 2800 dollars becomes 3800 becomes 4800 becomes you know and then you're like oh well it's a decorated in-house movement how much engineering did that cost this will go to our main topic, which is about microbrands, which microbrands are really proving that you can make decent ETA-based watches. Anyway, I know both of you haven't seen this article, so uh, I'm going to see if you can guess this one. If Chris, have you se- are you looking at it now? I don't. No, so I'm no, going to see if you know. can guess this one. So this is a, a small a small watch company, 
I'll give you a couple of cl- clues. They made 900 million Swiss francs last year. They increased wow. their sales by 181%. Can you guess who the watch company is? Swiss watch company. Swiss watch company. Uh, they went from uh, 19th to position 8. To 19th to Yeah, on the, like, the most important watch companies list. 180% in sales. 181% in sales, yeah. Uh... It might have something to do with a certain NFL players that might or might not have got fined for wearing these. Oh, really? Brand uh... brand ambassadors, the likes of Sylvester Stallone. Richard Mill? Yes. Richard Mill? Richard Mill, yeah. Oh, all right. So, so <laughs> it's, it's incredible, really, Ooh. isn't it? Because you think yeah, that that's 900 million Swiss wow. francs worth of Richard Neal watches. Wow. Do they have in-house movements, though? <laughs> <laughs> they do, but they're made of, uh, yeah. they're made of sapphire. <laughs> right, right. Pressed uh, carbon. Pressed diamond. Yes. Carbon. Yeah. Yeah. I'll settle for nothing else. <laughs> right, exactly. Wow. You know, I think I've heard this from from maybe uh Federico or, you know, some other like just will these stay relevant, you know? Like will these stick around? Will will this brand be? But I mean that growth, sheesh. Cash that check. That Sylvester Stallone watch they made, I thought that was gonna finish him off that a million dollars. Oh, I know, right? Oh god. It does have a compass on it, so yeah, yeah a compass and a pocket watch and it's a you know. <laughs> it's a- the next story, because I'm so like down with the kids and up with popular culture, I noticed this week that um, <laughs> Kanye West, Kim Kardashian have reunited their feud with Taylor Swift. Oh, I don't know if you've okay. I don't know if you've been keeping track of this, you two, but oh. um, I mean, this was this was big news. <laughs> the watch YouTube community is not without its rivalries as well, and it seems that our own Chris might have started a watch rivalry with just Bluefish watches today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. With right. his epic rebuttal of his last his last video. So Chris, explain yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I uh ah, geez. I watched I was I was watching some YouTube and uh yeah, a guy over at Bluefish who yeah is uh was checking out and he was talking about like how dirty your watches can get, which is totally true, you know, and we're in a serious a situation where, you know, we need to clean these things. And he was going on and on about, you know, like how, how much dirt and, and reading studies of like how dirty it could get and this sort of thing. And then, and then he just is like, he just swears off NATO. He's like, just, it's like, I'm not, I'm not wearing a nylon strap. You know, I'm not doing that for a while. And then, and, and also leather. I mean, I get him with leather, but like, I'm like, it's nylon. And so, uh, yeah. So I just, I was like, uh. All right. Well, I just made a video that where I, I what you do with your nylon watch strap, your NATO watch strap is uh, you take it off and then you you place it around your uh, waist on your belt loop of your jeans that you're about to throw in the washing machine and then just throw them in the washing machine. It's going to be fine. And then tumble dry and all the <laughs> all the dirtiness will be gone. So <laughs> so I was a little like, oh, geez, like don't don't swear off NATO totally. Maybe a little overboard with the uh, with the viral cleanliness but uh important but also yeah yeah everybody psa uh just take your nato straps wash your nato straps throw them in the throw them in the washing machine they'll be fine yeah so tj uh, what uh, did you i don't know if you saw that video but i mean you're a big nato fan i don't suppose you're seeing this as a potential issue i see any threat to the nato as a threat to me personally sam because (laughs) um, I, i first wore them in 2009 in afghanistan before they were cool of course and uh, I fell in love and I, I never looked back. And, um, you know, for me, like I always wear 
waterproof watches, especially if I'm deployed, I don't even take it off. So it just goes in the shower and that's how it gets clean. So it gets washed when I get washed. Um, and then if, if my watch isn't waterproof, then you know, it's, you know, when I wash my hands or whatever. So it's like your clothes. I see it as right. I mean, it's material that can be washed. I, yep. I don't worry about it and it's super comfortable and you know, just wash your NATO, man. He also used, uh, he'll probably get some, I haven't checked back in the comments. He'll probably get some comments of this. He also used dish soap to wash his, his, his watch. I think he just did the bracelet, but he just like took dish soap to a, to a, um, a toothbrush, which is fine. But dish soap is pretty heavy duty. Like it's, it's a, it's a heavy concentrated detergent. And I'm sure there's going to be some watchmakers that are like, whoa, uh, easy on the heavy detergent. You know, like <laughs> it's the same reason why you shouldn't like don't wash your car with Dawn. Like, do not do that. Like, you'll strip all the wax off of it. You'll strip everything off of it. Um, same thing. I, I wouldn't wash a, a, a waterproof watch with Dawn unless it was, you know, maybe a G-Shock. But <laughs> yeah, I use uh, I use foaming hand soap. I think that, you know, it's real light uh, that that tends to work. Yeah, like, yeah, laundry, in the laundry or, right, a soap that you would use on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Good call. Well, before we jump into our main topic here, let's just pause momentarily for a quick ad break. Welcome back. Our main topic today, and this is actually where one from TJ, so thanks for this, was discussing micro brands. Now, now you had a, a good take on the micro brand industry. We briefly alluded to it before about does the proliferation of micro brands, do you think it's going to lead to the bigger watch companies making their own in-house movement? So that's a good subject we should start with. And also, I'm interested to know if there is an economic downturn, do the micro brands proliferate or do you think they're going to be, is it going to be like the quartz crisis over again? Do we think with the proliferation of micro brands, is that going to push the bigger brands more to this in-house mentality? Yeah, what I was thinking with that, Sam, is that, uh... You know, I think people made the point that, okay, so suddenly with the very first few micro brands, I think we're using ETA movements. And that, that's probably part of the reason why there was discussion of limiting their distribution, because for less than $1,000, people were realizing you can get something pretty amazing from one of these newer brands. I, I don't think we even said micro brand back then. But then people argued, if I can get this for 1000 why are you charging me 3000 And so I think that the, the, some of the companies like IWBC, Omega, Breitling thought, well, do we want to be more like them or more like Rolex? And they realized they wanted to be more on the higher end. And so I think it kind of drove them that direction. And so that raises questions about, you know, is that, is, you know was that kind of the driving force? Is that the, the, the sustainable trend? And what does it do to the in-betweeners, the, the you know, people use the term mid-tier, Longines, Hamilton, folks that are in the 1,000 to 2,000 range. If, given the quality you can get with a Miyota 9015 at $600, what's leading someone to spend $1,500? Um, you know, I can understand the person buying the Rolex because they just made partner at their law firm. I think that's a different dynamic. But among, you know, right. what's, you know, what, I, I just think, are these all independently sustainable segments or will one of them put pressure on the other? So that's kind of the question I had. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting that that, that dynamic, I, I'm thinking also the limitation. So, so Swatch owns ETA. So for their, for their mid tier, they're like you mentioned, Longines, Hamilton, they're not going to, they're not going to run out of that. And, and the other thing that they can do is it's kind of a trick and it's, it's a trap. And I'm sure there are videos Actually, Sam, I think you might have even made a video on this or we had a discussion about this. 
where um of course hamilton can have the h10 movement and call it in-house but like who's making it for them well eta's making it for them it's the same you know it's just, it's their designs that their their stuff that they already had access to same thing with Longines. so they can just press a button and just brand that quote unquote eta movement that they used to sell at everybody as an in-house movement so it's like so now when you unwrap some of that marketing trick then then it's even more so where you're like well, well, wait, why can't I get this for 1500 when, you know, you're selling it for 3000 That's sort of, that's sort of a marketing trick. So I don't know where that stops. And then what I think they're driving is micro brands now, I, I think where they used to lean towards, yeah, oh, of course we're going to have an ETA movement or of course we're going to have the, you know, the fine finish, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I think now they're, they're more micro brands out there. They're just like, Yep, we're using the we're using the H thirty five. We're using the the basic Seiko movement, or we're using the Miyota, or the 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 top level Miyota, and you know, and it's great, and it's accurate, and away you go. Um, so it's really going to force that more. So it's going to force that division more. So I, I think right now the the Hamiltons and the Longines aren't aren't afraid because the micro brands are all small volume and they're targeting the forums and the enthusiasts. But you know, eventually the word's going to get out because social media being what it is, friend of a friend is going to see that. What is that watch? Oh, it's a Laurier or whatever it is. And they're going to see that that's a great looking mm -hmm. watch. The enthusiast is going to say, yeah, it is an amazing watch. I love it. It's 400 whatever dollars. So, I mean, I, I just can't, you know, and I don't know if the, if the micro brands are willing to go to that volume, but I think the mid-tier brands should be worried about that. It's funny what you were saying about do the, the brands like Omega and et cetera, IWC going in-house to emulate Rolex. But the one thing that Rolex, it's not just that it's an in-house movement, it's that really Rolex has its selection of watches that it makes and it knows its segment and it goes for it. And maybe they'll put diamonds on it. Maybe they change the color. But Omega's trying to compete with them by coming up with these like titanium movements. And, oh, we've got a titanium case James Bond watch that we're, that's $9,000 and things like that. So I guess they're wanting to emulate Rolex, but not playing by their playbook, I don't think, of just right, have yeah. you core. And, and I think uh, TJ called it uh, the celebration of, you know, the big sale. Get, getting the Rolex for the celebration of the big sale. That's what Omega wants, but they're just looking at the logist, you know, they're just looking at the data sheet and they're not, and they're not emulating what, what that actually means as a, as a brand. So it's funny. It's like, well, people buy Rolex because it's a big celebration of a, a big event and it has an in-house movement and it has Sapphire and it's a stainless steel bracelet. And so like, they're just like checking off boxes. Like, well, we can do that. We can do in-house movement. We can do stainless steel. We can do, you know, we can make a really accurate cost certified watch. Fantastic. And then, and then the question, you know, like in the, you know, the sales team is like, well, how come it, how come it isn't selling? And you're like, because none of that matters to someone who's buying a Rolex. <laughs> yeah. And then the Omega do bring back one of their icons with that 321 movement. And the fans are like, yes, this, thank you. Mm -hmm. We have been asking for this and we appreciate it. And then they're like, oh, well, first out the block, that's uh, platinum and it's $50,000. So right, right, if you want it in yeah, steel, that's yeah. uh, $14,000, which RRP, if you could get a Daytona, is less than what a Daytona's RRP is. And the Daytona's a, a stunning, a, just a stunning watch. Um, to switch to to switch to switch talking about the, the microbrands themselves, one thing that I is going to be in their favor is, yes, I believe that, you know, we are going to have uh, a slowdown, an economic, there's, there's going to be hurt. We're going we're gonna to see that directly. But 
if you are a small company, like I'm thinking like Notice, I think Notice is maybe a handful of people in Los Angeles. And if you're a company like Notice, you're nimble, you're able to change quickly, you can, you can ramp up your stuff, you can also ramp down your stuff. You don't have to make as many stuff, make as many pieces, et cetera. Um, whereas a company, a giant company, you know, Longines or any of the Swatch companies, um, you, you know, you have, you have warehouse people, you have logistics people, you have shipping people, you have, you know, just, there are people that work. I'm sure there are a hundred people that work for Longines that, that have, don't even touch watches. So in this situation, in a, in a downturn economy, I think, I think micro brands are going to have an edge there because they can be nimble but it's going to be a fight to get to get people to open their wallets oh i'd agree actually yeah i think another point to make on that is that the micro brands are connected to the enthusiasts right people like us and they've got a pretty direct access to the enthusiasts through the forum so they seem very responsive and in fact they they can reach out and say hey thinking of this new design it can kind of get interest and they'll know before they ever start production whether or not they've got enough interest. So connectivity and responsiveness, right. and especially when, if someone comes up with a design that you love and in fact lets you participate in updating it or changing it, and then finally produces something for $600 that you love, amazing. And, and, and sometimes mm -hmm. I think the bigger brands, you know, the enthusiast is sitting there on the sidelines saying, why didn't they add this feature? Why did they add, you know, why did they add a date, you know, at, at four o'clock or whatever our pet peeves are? Right. Yeah, or they'll they'll is, add, yeah. you know, yeah. one of the, my biggest pet peeve is when the numerals on the pilot watch are chromed that, that just make, you know, they need to be loomed. Right. I don't want it to be shiny. Yeah. And, and uh, so when, when a company does that, like you just sit there and cringe and you, you know, they're not talking to the enthusiasts. They're just talking to their design team or whomever. And, uh, and so I think that that's a strength of the, the micro community is that they're, they're reaching out to us and, and we will sustain them because they're going to produce something we want. Agree. And you see some of these online sellers, um, Long Island Watch, et cetera, that are starting to stock these smaller brands. So it's not just the, the direct-to-consumer route that they have anymore. They actually are able to go through some of these big online retailers as well. So, that, so it's kind of legitimizing the brands because alongside like Seiko and Citizen, you can buy them through the same. I suppose when my, these sort of smaller micro brands like Laurier, when you start seeing them on Amazon as a, a seller, that might be an interesting, and you can compare them. It will, it'll, it'll happen too, because, you know, I think if you have the, the large brands, and I see this with companies all the time, you know, if you waited, if you if you're retail and you waited to get on Amazon and you're like, oh, we're gonna sell on our website and we're not gonna do Amazon, right? You waited and someone can swoop in there and and you can get, you know, into that market, into that supply chain. I mean, Laurier just comes to mind. I feel like they're only hampered by the rate that they can produce them because people are are in a frenzy about buying Laurier watches when and they're I'm on their emailing list and they're always emailing saying look we're nearly there we're nearly we're nearly going to release it and so on and I think they they would only they would be shifting a lot more units if they weren't necessarily hampered by their um their current supply chain which obviously as they get bigger then that won't become so much of an issue now an interesting mm -hmm. question about these micro brands obviously um in the current climate, the supply, the traditional supply routes between China have been disrupted. I know Veya 
really want to make a watch that is 100% US made. I know Detroit mm. Mint, they've, um, you know, Dave there spoke to me a couple of times about making 100%, but they just don't have, there's, there's maybe a watch assembly plant in, in Chicago and I think it's the old Elgin company mm-hmm. plant, I, I suspect. You can obviously get straps made over here, but I think you'd struggle to make a complete watch at scale here. So I wonder whether that will shift now that the micro brand has philosophy has proved itself out, whether the US will then become a real powerhouse again, like it was in the, mm. you know, well, pre-70s. Are, are there uh, particular components that are sort of the long pole in the tent, uh, you know, in a case or gaskets or what, you know, what, cause I mean, I would imagine one of those companies would still source a movement from Japan or, or, or from the Swiss, whether it's quartz or mechanical, but so what is it in the, in the case or the crystal and what, what part are, are, is the, the key part? I think, I think the key is the movement, honestly, mm-hmm. and also yeah. the casing as well to get, the level of machining that and the level of prototyping on the mm-hmm. cases as well might be an issue because I know Fossil own that STP line, but they must they must be made. They're an ETA clone, but I think that those movements must be made in Switzerland because they, they I think they say Swiss made the STP movements. I don't think Fossil make them in the so US. Then sixty, yeah, and and Swiss made say, saying that sixty percent of the. 60% of the watch, 60% of the movement, and all the stuff that goes into it was made in Switzerland. So Yeah, I mean, I know, I know there's some small, like Weiss, he, he makes his own movements or certainly heavily modifies existing movements in LA, but... Yeah, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's building uh, parts and pieces here. I mean, certainly, certainly assembling. And, and there's a couple, you know, like Notice I mentioned, um, assembling here. You know, they're, they're proud of assembled in Los Angeles. Um, I don't uh, I don't know how much of a marketing benefit that has. I yeah, you know, I'd be kind of curious from a standpoint of you know, if I was on the board and I said, "Okay, so so it's it's a, we're going to do a Swiss made watch that's, you know, has a Swiss movement in it and we're going to print Swiss made on the dial because we have the facilities and we can we can get those." Or we can we can branch out and do a true American made, US made, US manufacturing. Because I think besides besides the technology to make the hairsprings, um, we you know it's interesting. Like all of those, you know, a t- we have access to a ton of those machines. Those they have new EDM, you know, wire CNC processes that can make the tiny little gears. So so someone could spin it up fairly fairly easily. Um, as far as we have the technology i'm not saying easily like i'm sure there's a huge investment here like this is this is lots and lots and lots of money so maybe that's you know maybe that's the key and if you just look at like if you just if you're the marketing department you say like okay well people are calling out for a u.s made watch which i which i think is true but it's gonna cost 300 million dollars of you know investment into a manufacturing facility who's ready to who's ready to pop that down um, and unfortunately those facilities, which used to be here in the eighties and nineties, I mean, that's all that stuff, you know, we still make a lot of the equipment, but we don't, we don't have the factories that are. Yeah. I wonder if this those. will change as like 3d printing when that, when you can start 3d printing metal parts with such precision, mm-hmm. whether that might change, but well, I mean, EDM right now, the Swiss watch industry is, is, is using it and, and it's a game changer because it just. You you don't have to you don't have to take a uh, you don't have to cut 
a, a metal gear anymore. You just have to put this wire next to it and just a, a blade away the with energy, just a blade away that uh, that metal. And you can make a thousand gears in a stack in one shot. So the technology is there, but like, is the investment when the buyers desire too, right, Chris? Because I mean, if it took the Japanese quite a while, and you could even argue people still insist on Swiss made, or at least people that are, you know, if you look at Grand Seiko, right? There, there's quite a few people that just won't buy a Japanese movement at that price range because right. they're going to go Swiss. So even yeah. though we as enthusiasts might know or believe that, no, hey, the Seiko movement is just as good. And I'm a recent convert. If, if I went and bought a watch today, I'd look for a Miyota movement um, because I think that's manufactured with the spirit that Swiss movements were made in the 60s and 70s. Um, but, you know, but broadly speaking, you have to think that where's the demand and maybe the mid-tier range, that 1,000 to 2,000, maybe that's where someone who wants to buy something really nice but wants to buy Made in America and is willing to have a markup for it yeah. and to feel something luxurious. If you look at Shinola, right? I mean, their prices are pretty high. So we enthusiasts kind of balk at that, but right. other people grabbed onto that. You know, the non-enthusiasts responded to that pretty well. The micros, I think, in their, in their price range can't afford the price increase, most likely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know um, when I spoke to Ryan and Reagan at Veya, that's why their last mechanical movement, they gave you the option. They said, well, we, you can put Swiss movement in it for this price, or you can have a Japanese movement in it for this price. So they, they gave the choice. It's, it's certainly interesting. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, that ghost town that's on the way to Las Vegas. Um, when you do the little tour there, they say, oh, there's $2 million worth of silver in, in the, to be mined here. But the only problem is it'll cost us $3 million to yeah. mine it. Right. Yeah. So it's... Yeah. Probably a little bit of that, especially with the, with the tiny, with the tiny micro brands. And I've had, uh, I, I've had the Miyota, uh, a Miyota movement here, uh, in, you know, a, a part in the, in the watch shop, so to speak, uh, in the mod shop. And, um, yeah, it keeps, you know, the, the more, I would say, I think it was the 9105, 9105, if that's the movement type, um, my numbers. Much better timekeeping than your base, you know, seven S two six in the SKX. So um, could regulate better in in three four positions, and yeah, great movement. And certainly, like for the money, it would be interesting to see how many people are are making the decision of that Japanese movement or or Swiss. Having owned older Swiss watches, I I I'm hard pressed to make that. I. I seek out Swiss made. It's hard. <laughs> you know, once you have, once you take a 20 year old Swiss made chronograph that has never been serviced and you put it on a time grapher and it's running plus two and you're just like, okay, they made them great. They still make them great. And it's, you know, it's what you're, it's that tool that you can, you can rely on. So um, another thing that American manufacturing would have to overcome is, you know, can we make them, can we make them as good as you know, and and or better for the money? It's a good point because Grand Seiko have made the best mechanical movement ever, the spring drive. I mean, mm -hmm. the accuracy mm -hmm. of it. Yes, you argue it's a hybrid movement, but the technology is yeah. is incredible. Absolutely incredible, yeah. the technology. But And, and even the, their high beat movements are right there too with the Swiss. No problem. But you don't see them on that list of you know prestigious watch makers unfortunately although obviously they'd like to change that mm -hmm. and the other thing with micro brands i know certainly 
with being a watch YouTuber and as well being a watch fan, you go to watch events. I've interacted with many of these people who make these micro brands. Jimmy Collins at Collins Watches, Ryan and Reagan at Vega, Dave, who's making that watch in Manchester, my my hometown of Manchester, my home city of Manchester, guy at Seals Watches. You don't really get that one-to-one interaction with the people that are actually making the design choices. So that's one of the other advantages. Have you guys had similar experiences? Uh, yeah, Sam. So I, uh, I've uh, got a skirt, couple skirt of divers I've bought. And uh, I remember interacting with Paul. He's a commercial diver in the North Sea. And he would say, my wife is going to ship these. I'm on the, you know, I'm, I'm about to go on a dive or I'm doing my uh, decompression or whatever. I mean, it was pretty neat, right? I mean, he's really doing it. He posts videos of his dives. Uh, and then I've got uh, Butler Watch Company is a small micro brand. He's a uh, commercial airline pilot. Um, and he helped me put together a, a watch purchase for my squadron with a custom engraving. Uh, he was really a pleasure to work with as well. And actually, I helped him modify a design. So I, I told him that the uh, the chronograph register for 30 minutes, the, the 5, 15, and 25 marks should be a little longer so that the eye can pick up, you know, a little bit of a, you know, the difference from 0 to 10, just to have a nice longer mark at 5 between his first model and his second. And he, and he immediately did it. Um, so, you know, it's like you, there's a piece of me in That's that right. second generation of his chronograph. And that kind of uh, personal contact and real stories, real people emailing you back and, and they're enthusiastic, you're enthusiastic. And uh, it, it, it's just kind of a great experience. Uh, you, you really can't get that with the large brand. Yeah, I've had a couple of interactions with um, uh, some folks that, that wanted to do uh, Kickstarter watches and um, but were also, you know, getting, getting a micro brand started and the, that, you know, what, what do you want to make, you know, sort of like that, uh, opening it up to the, to the enthusiast and saying like, well, you know, we love these, uh, old retro, um, chronographs. Um, there's a couple of companies or there's one company I can think of, um, that created a a 60s style chronograph. Um, and they were going to considering putting a, a mechanical movement in it or, or a um, mecha quartz or, you know, and, and sort of hemming and hawing over that. You feel like you're a part of it. I mean, not, not all, uh, not all Kickstarter stuff, but definitely the the micro brand stuff where where you get that email from them and they're oh we're looking at this design and you know oh I like the red with this and you kind of feel part of it and you're you're certainly not going to get that from from the design department at Swatch. Yeah, it's really cool, isn't it, to have them interact with the enthusiasts. Obviously, they they have to be very careful of that because they don't want the watch enthusiasts to be like the video game enthusiasts who are. They're ruthless, aren't they, to the <laughs> yeah, game creators? Yeah, they really are. Yeah, they really are. But I think I think the 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 thing there is with the games, you have the ability to change that afterwards. So I play a lot. Of, you know, I play PC games, and I'm a gamer. And uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. They can the 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 group can destroy stuff because oh, we wanted it a certain way. Well, let me go in and change it. Oh, well, this doesn't work. Well, we can completely redo the the gear system you know and completely mess everyone's levels up da, 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 da. but with a watch you know with a physical product um you have the ability to say do people want this is is this going to sell you get on instagram and i see it i i see a the handful of these micro brands do this all the time they'll post up a teaser picture 
and it'll immediately like have a thousand likes and and there you go marketing department closed you're set you know well we're a picky bunch too right i mean we'll you'll see 30 uh posts that say you know i wish it was a little you know i wish it wasn't 42 millimeter and then i'll chime in saying 20 millimeter lugs are bust and then someone else will say it has a date i don't want it <laughs> we all have yeah. our things but i think they are at least able to pulse the the crowd and figure out what uh you know what the majority wants or what if they should offer an option yeah and i mean if i had a if i had a piece of advice for micro brands i'd be like don't get lost in the trying to make a watch for everyone because i yeah you it would it would be 41 millimeters 20 mil lugs sapphire crystal and have arabic then <laughs> just be just perfect try to try to switch for that yeah i feel like uh Bulliver, for me they like to make reissues of their classic watches for the fans but then they they listen i think they listen too much because they always make them oversized for me i always think oh you could have <laughs> just kept them as the but um yeah and I, I feel when they don't listen to the fans as well or, or sometimes this is the the power of watch youtubers as well i think that they can certainly mm-hmm. I, I know of one micro brand that i'm sure jody at just one more watches review might have put the end to it because i never heard of it again but i, I was <laughs> i don't know if you have emails from spinnaker but they are still they must be sat on a boatload of those titanium watches they made because i I wasn't i mean i love spinnaker watches they make some great watches but they made this titanium watch which looks beautiful but they put this chris you probably know the reference but it's like a myota movement but that doesn't hack oh the 8000 series yeah yeah so everybody every reviewer like reviewed it and they're like this is this is a fantastic watch but it doesn't hack i think every, uh, i mean I, I it wasn't one that i reviewed and now daily i'm getting emails and they must have released this watch 18 months ago so yeah you've, you have got to be careful as a micro brand i think for sure but at this but at the same time if you're jumping into it right now the micro brands and sam we talked about this maybe three four three four weeks ago for seiko to come out with stuff that still has mineral glass that that's you know yes it hacks but it but it's still um it doesn't have a screw down crown anymore things like that um whereas microbrands is stepping up the game where it's like now when i look at watches you know like of course it's 100 meters water resistant of course it's sapphire of course it's screw down crown of course it's you know what i mean it's like a check 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 boxes boxes you know that sort of thing um so they're doing a great job there, you know, to 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 stay in that in that market and make the commenters happy. Yeah, it's funny. That was my argument with Omega, wasn't it? That James Bond, that flipping titanium watch. There's that. Is it the Hayton watch brand that they've got like a titanium watch for maybe the three hundred dollar mark, and the case on that looks fantastic. I refuse to believe that Omega. I mean, they might have made that the mesh strap in titanium but anyway yeah. that's that's a that's beside the point but um okay well we, we're getting close to the end here and if you have any last comments on our micro brand discussion no but i uh if if anyone from marathon watch company is listening i'll say it the way i say it all the time they need to do the navigator in stainless steel you if you see any posts on watch forums about this watch you'll see people bemoan the fact that they use a carbon case which is practical and cheap and light and i do love it but if they made that in steel, it would be my one watch for life, and I, they just need to do it. And I did contact them on, on the Facebook page and ask them. They said they'll take it under advisement, but for the love, please, they just need to do it. We'll use the, use the platform. Yes, we'll please. amplify. Uh, it's, 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 my, it's my mission. It's definitely a funny one, that, isn't it? They think that that polymer is fragile on a watch, but they would happily have a firearm that was... Oh, it, it's indestructible. I just, you know, I just want it to be 
I, I, I kind of want to go throwback a little bit to the old school version. And I, I just think if I go flying, I'll wear the polymer version, but for, you know, for wearing about and everything, it, it would be the perfect watch for me if they, if they had a steel one. This would be a dream. Okay, guys. Well, thank you very much. Let us know on the face over on the Facebook group what you thought of this discussion. Uh, please join Casual Watch Talk, the new Facebook group. I would just like to thank TJ for joining as our special guest today. Thank you, Sam. It was awesome. Thanks so much. And Chris, Thanks, thank you for being my co-host as always. Thanks. Thanks, Sam. As always, guys, we really appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next time on Casual Watch Talk. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>